Welcome to the Going Somewhere podcast, a podcast for anyone who finds themselves in the ambiguous adventure of young adulthood, a season marked by uncertainty, change, love, heartbreak, and a whole lot of big decisions. Sit down with me for some real and raw conversations with some incredible people as we dig into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this beautiful yet complicated season of life. If this podcast helps you in any way, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with friends. Be sure to join the conversation on Instagram by following goingsomewhere.podcast. We're all going somewhere. We might as well go there together. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Going Support Podcast. I'm the host, Stephen Glosser, and I am glad that you're here. We are excited about this episode, and I'm pumped to get into it. Our guest today is Dustin Nickerson. Dustin is a stand-up comedian. He's originally from Seattle, currently lives in San Diego, but he travels the world telling jokes and bringing a lot of joy and laughter. I know uh, I discovered him about a year ago, just kind of on social media, and it's it's very frequent that I send Taylor, a clip of uh, one of his bits or one of his jokes. Um, I think there's a lot of negativity in the world. And so he's kind of been a spark of joy, a spark of laughter uh, for our family and in our house. So uh, I'm excited for you to get a chance to hear from him. Uh, He has a new special called Runs in the Family that is officially out um, on YouTube. You can check it out. He has a book called how to be married to Melissa. They have a podcast called don't make me come back there. So there's many ways that you can connect with Dustin, but today I just wanted to take some time just to kind of talk about his story a little bit, talk about, um, just kind of the, the heartbeat of their marriage. It's a unique marriage, just like any other marriage, their story is unique. Their faith background is unique. And I think there's something that we can all learn from that. I think, um, for one, we're in a season now where, you know, we've been married eight years and and there's some young adults in this podcast that are dating or they're wanting to date or they're looking forward to marriage. And there is a lot of resources, a lot of ideas, a lot of books on how to be married. Um, But his perspective of how to be married to his person is refreshing because people change, situations change, seasons change, jobs change, and, and the marriages that thrive, the marriages that really, uh, just go the distance, but in in a healthy, meaningful way uh, are the ones that grow together, the ones that adapt together, the ones that embrace new circumstances and new challenges head on and live to tell the story. And so I'm excited for you to hear their story. I'm excited for you to kind of get a glimpse into his world. But before we send it into the episode today, I just want to thank you for listening. I am a, I'm blown away that we are nearly 40 episodes into this thing. We've been recording these episodes for over a year now and that you're still listening, you're still watching. Uh, and that means a lot to me. And I know a lot of you have uh, given love, whether it's on social media or leaving a review or leaving a rating uh, for the podcast. But if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do so uh, wherever you listen, just leave a rating, leave a review. That's how more people engage. And if you like something from the podcast, whether it's an episode, share it in your story, share it with a friend. Or uh, if you like one of the clips that we share on Instagram at goingsomewhere.podcast, send that out to the world. It helps more people uh, get the message. These conversations are all so different. They go in different directions. But the cool thing is, is if you stay around long enough, you're going to hear uh, my heart for Jesus. You're going to hear a lot of people who care a lot about him 
And that's the greatest thing in this season of life that we can cling to and pursue uh, and chase after. Uh, And so I'm excited for you to be here. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. Without further ado, let's take it to this episode with Dustin Nickerson. Hey, everybody. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. I'm joined today by the comedian, Dustin Nickerson. How are you doing, Dustin? Good, good. Thank you for having me, my friend. Hey, we're Stephen, not Stefan, right? I never know. Uh, I always Steven. wanted to be Stephen, but the occasional Stefan just sneaks in there and ruins things for all of us insecure people. Steph Curry has created problems for yeah. for the spelling of my name. But <laughs> hey, I, I'm pumped to have you on. I I was uh, caught up in the interwebs of Dustin Nickerson and the the bit rabbit trails of Instagram and TikTok, and I was like, I just why not try? So I'm glad that you took some time to be with us today. This is, I've been looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you mind just kind of people are seeing my stuff on the internet? That's always the goal. (laughs) (laughs) It would be weird if it wasn't, but uh, do you mind just talking a little bit about yourself, a little background, who you are, what you're doing nowadays? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so I, my name's Dustin. I'm a stand comedian. I live in San Diego, California with my wife and my three children. Uh, I, uh, am a touring comic. I'm, I'm out most weekends. Uh, I've, like I said, the three kids, 16, 14 and nine originally from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what do we, my parents are divorced. What are we diving into here? I don't know. Uh, hey, Wherever you want to go. No, that's awesome. That's uh, the quickest overview I got, I think. I love it. I love it. You know, the Seattle, I, I wore the old school Mariners jersey just love for it. you. You know, my, yeah. my family, we have family out in Seattle. So I grew up going on really long road trips, you know, in the suburban. We take out the middle seat. Oh, yeah. Drive out to Seattle. And back in like the the Jay Buhner days, Brett Boone, mm-hmm. Ken Griffey Jr., you know, so big Mariners guy yeah. back in the day. I mean, you're probably the only person in history who's ever said Brett Boone before Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> well, he's kind of an easy one. That's the jersey I'm naming, wearing. Naming the great Mariners. Yeah, David Segui. I remember that oh, name. Oh, David Segui. There's uh, a poll. John Allerud. He was the helmet-wearing the first baseman. The guy the... Uh, mm-hmm. No, <laughs> so, one, no one tried to be a trendsetter. No one took after him in that. I did because not a, not an actual baseball, but whenever I get the nachos, I get the helmet and then, Oh, absolutely. I I always think of John Allerud, the little helmet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I always think of John Allerud, but no, Seattle's a great place. Uh, how long ago did you move out of Seattle? We moved to San Diego 11 years ago. Okay. Yeah. We we had two kids at the time and, uh, headed South. We had a job opportunity and they were like San Diego, and I'm like, we're in. <laughs> we're it's in. absolutely yes. So that's awesome. But Seattle does have some unique, you know, features. You got the gum wall. You know, you've got you've got some unique things that people come to see. Just like a wall of gum. Yeah, you Seattle has a weird, distinct, unique identity. There's not really anything like it, and that it has both major corporations starbucks microsoft boeing amazon massive world-changing corporations and then also great art you know the nirvana Jimi hendrix you know like the the grunge scene all that stuff has come out of there 
and then also a wall full of gum. You also and, throw fish. Uh, you throw fish at at strangers. You throw and throw yeah, and and flying fish and uh you know a hidden troll like troll statue under a bridge. It's 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 a weird thing. The, it's uh the it's underground one one. tour. There's nothing. The underground tour. I've never though, done the underground tour. Is, have you? Yes, and it's it became one of our favorite things. I didn't realize how much the history of Seattle was built on poop. I don't know if you know that of the, <laughs> the, the drainage, just problems yeah. and they had to rebuild the city because of it. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is still built on poop. I yeah. think uh, it's got some issues <laughs> some different that they're working ways, on but, yeah. where human feces is becoming an issue again, but that... <laughs> you know, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. Yeah. They always come back. The trends always come back, but yeah. no, I was, um, uh, scrolling through Instagram one day. And then the first joke that I ever heard from you was the dad bod bit. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if I've related, you know, more or just been justified by, by something more, just the idea of big or big muscles or just muscles that aren't hugging their kids. I relate to yeah, that. Yeah. My favorite part of that joke is that joke. I wrote that joke when I was working at a rec center, like a YMCA, and I would see these dads come in <laughs> and drop their like kids off for like two hours in the play care. And you're like, ah. I mean, that kid was in school today and now you're taking them here. I mean, what, how often are you seeing this kid? You know, like you really have to accommodate so much of your schedule in order to be in great shape. And I'm not talking about having some fitness in your life. You should all do that to some extent, yeah. but to be in great, great shape. But my favorite part about that, and I post that joke once a year on Father's Day. So it's coming, coming up. up. Uh, and my favorite part is how offended people get by like the dads who are like, no, you just got to be disciplined. You just got to get up. You got to get it in. And I was like, is there? I always think, is there a workout for thicker skin? Because they are so sensitive about it. They are such little snowflake softies to like, guys relax this is just take the point not every joke's for you this isn't but you know fitness folks are like that if you come out and like take any shots on like their lifestyle and this is the only way you're like dude just you're proving my point go to a recital <laughs> oh i i get that i i lived with some you know workout dudes and i i've just been blessed with a fast metabolism my whole life and so mm -hmm. I've just kind of gotten the, the skinny physique without much work. I eat Oreos, sleep by the sleeve, you know, all that. But yeah. uh, I was playing spike ball with two of my roommates and they had their shirts off and they were kind of bantering about how they were working out to get the ladies and stuff. And at the time I was engaged and mm -hmm. uh, my, my roommate Wyatt bursted out in a now famous line around here. Not everyone has a killer personality. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the killer personality is the trait that that's worth, worth pursuing, worth chasing. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, I don't know how you develop a personality though. I don't know. Are, are there workouts for that? Are you like, can... I think it's called like reading and stuff. I think it's like, you know, learning some interesting facts. I don't know, but I don't know. You are right that uh, there, uh, Neil Brennan has a great joke about that where he talks about like, uh, you know, people, you know, women, women always like you because only like you because your job. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I looked at my body in high school and I was like, you better write some jokes. <laughs> I, 
And I, there's, there is a reality to that of like, well, yeah, you know, some of us weren't born with a natural physique or ability or looks either. Uh, uh, so, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go work on some charm. Yes. And, you know, I think, you know, I just got done reading your book. Uh, how oh, to be hey, married, I love that. Speaking of reading. How to be married to Melissa. One of the greatest book titles of all time. Um, mm-hmm. But I the think book you didn't care for, but the title. The, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Throw the book. I'm just, just going to put the cover on my wall as a poster. Good, no, good, good. no, it, it was a really, really cool perspective on marriage. And I think, you know, what, what kind of sparked writing that book in the first place? Uh, a global pandemic. <laughs> that sparked <laughs> my, a lot of uh, Yeah. My, uh, my job of stand-up comedy being outlawed. <laughs> Uh, we were the government saying we're going to pay you not to tell jokes. That's how, that's how that all happened. I had so much downtime that we were all pursuing different things. We were all like, I mean, what do I do out here? And it was around that time that I started getting a lot more, um, I don't know, savvy on the internet, a little more involved. And like, I was like, all right, I got to learn how to do some of this stuff. And so I started, posting a lot more. I started making a lot of more content, a lot more video content. And as like my follower counts went up a little bit, I, I got, um, a literary agent reached out to me, said, are you interested in a book? I said, I've had one idea for a book my whole life. It's the only thing that I know at this stage in my life that I could confidently write about. And it was, and I had the title, how to be married to Melissa. So, and it, you know, cause they've approached me about doing more, and you're like, I know, I just don't, it, it was a lot easier to write a book during the pandemic <laughs> than it is. to do a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, today in Colorado Springs, I've got, you know, where things are going again. So aside from these meetings and stuff that I have today, it's two shows, fly to Kansas, two shows tomorrow. We did a show yesterday, show you're just in and out of different places. You're just trying to grab sleep when you can. I mean, touring is a pretty intense life. And then I try and do everything that I can work-wise while I'm on the road so that when I'm home, I have none of that to do, you know? Uh, so yeah, you know, we, uh, it was, it was uh, kind of the, uh, I don't know, the stars aligned. It ended up being a good time for something like that. I was like, well, it's this or learn how to make bread or whatever. Did you, did you have any other covid uh hobbies that you developed you know mel and i we um we did actually it was so funny because we were like we actually worked out a ton but we were eating so poorly that we were not getting healthier right (laughs) that's what it was because everything was just extremes i always i like i use the i describe the covid era as uh and we were in southern california so it lasted a while um as the opening line to a tale of two cities it was the best of times it was the worst of times because we spent so much time together as a family you know we're like i guess we'll watch all the marvel movies i guess we'll you know like mel and i finished ted lasso last week and and we're like that was a pandemic show that came out in 2020 kind of was like is it it is it officially have we bookended all of that now so um there was a little bit of everything but Thankfully, that book opportunity came out and it gave me something to work on. And it kind of was a nice career bump for me because the book came out a year ago, two days ago. It just came out. It's its year anniversary. And as things were opening up, I had a thing that to, to kind of give to the world and went on uh, James Corden and, and promoted and a lot of different stuff. And so it ended up being uh, 
something we were real grateful for. But I'm not in a hurry to write another one. So much work. Oh my gosh, writing a book, so much work. Hey, you crushed it though. You you crushed it. You know, I think thank you. What what's what's great about it is the celebration of the uniqueness of marriage. And, you know, with young adults, you know, which is kind of the theme of the podcast, you know, a lot of young adults are in that kind of pre-marriage, marriage, dating, all those phases. And I do premarital counseling, you know, for these couples. And yeah. I just recently did one for a couple that has kids together. They've been together for a long time. And I looked at my notes and it was like, you know, how to navigate household chores. And I'm like, throw this out the window. Cause I think you don't need, yeah. need that advice. Cause it's also unique and so different. What are some of the differences? And you, you talk about them in length in the book, but about you and Melissa that you guys have kind of found to embrace and love about each other. Yeah, I will say that uh, I've had a couple of pastors message me and be like, this is now our book for premarital counseling. And I love that. I think that's yes. so fun because it's like, it's going to make it a much easier read for one, like and feel oh, less yeah. like, homework, you know, um, so um, I mean, geez, I mean, Mel and I have been together for over 20 years at this point, like our, her differences, our differences are enormous but they don't feel we're just so in sync at this point that it just feels like i don't know like the right arm can do this and the left arm can do this right. you know it doesn't it doesn't feel there's certainly not i don't feel like any of us have massive we don't have any conflicting differences you know we and, and we're so well aware of them at this point so um you can i mean for i mean she's one of she's neurotypical um i have adhd i have neurodivergent that's one you know like that's a, a, a uh and that can affect everything from how i clean up or shut cabinets or to sleep or energy patterns or focus or it's like i called her today and she just finished hiking and i was like i want to talk about january vacation right now and she's like really <laughs> like stuff like that but you just learn to um you know or like another one is like uh anytime we talk about like how we're feeling like talk like heavy emotion stuff mel doesn't know how she feels for or mel doesn't know why she feels a certain way right. a lot of time for hours hours later and I, and in that time can be moody and like upset or mean, which I can be then just also mean right back at her. Um, whereas I kind of have a, like I immediately to a fault. I'm like, this is my feeling right now. This is why I'm feeling. Let's deal with it. So it's just a lot of those type of things where you just go, you learn to be patient and mesh with one another, you know, but the, to, to name the differences, you're like, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I, it, people just have to read the book because. Yeah, the, there you go. <laughs> the writing, the writing is hilarious. And just the storytelling, like, you know, I'm a note taker when I read books. And so most books, it's like, you know, thought provoking. I, I wrote LOL in the columns way too much yeah. in this book <laughs> or circled things that I need to share with Taylor, my wife. And, um, but, but no, it's just a perspective that I think was refreshing. I mean, you talk about raising kids, you talk about, you know, COVID, you talk about faith and just the changes of that. And I think, you know, you got married when you were 19 years old and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in this phase, I'm 32 now. And so a lot of my friends, we've been married eight to 10 years. And, um, you know, I think 
we, we catch this like glimmer and this glimpse of kind of restlessness. And I think they talk about that in different studies, but you know, what's kind of been the key for you guys in, you know, somebody that's maybe saying, Hey, I'm bored with this. Like I've been with this person, the 19 year old version I married is very different than the 40 year old or whatever. How have you guys kind of navigated that? Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of in the spirit of my, uh, of the book, it's never, never been an issue for me. So I have no idea how to help someone who's dealing with that. (laughs) I don't, I don't. And I think that I, cause we've never navigated that particular issue. We've navigated how to lose a house and declare bankruptcy. We've, we, you know, like we've navigated, you know, raising kids, we've navigated faith ups and downs and struggles. That's like a, a lot, some people critique the book and they're like, why is there this huge chapter on faith and God in the middle of it? Cause it's our story. That's the right. point, dummy. Like that's the whole point is that this is our uniqueness. And so I, I use the term a lot about Melissa that she's just like endlessly interesting to me. I've never, I've never been bored with her. She's it's not, I've never felt restless. I've had personal restlessness in like my life and my career. And that led to a gigantic career change in our late twenties, early thirties. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we also understand and say this in the book and, and a lot in general, anyways, there is a dumb luck to these things. We are also enjoying the, fruits of comprom- of of 20 years of compromise sacrifice empathy um learning to try tr- genuinely trying to put the work in and being willing to grow with somebody and to change yourself and to go to therapy or learn about yourself or work on your issues or whatever it may be but i also know that we're very fortunate cuz a lot of people they they reach an a, a point where and you hear it a lot where they go like, but that person just isn't worth it to me to do that anymore. Mm. You know, I don't want to do the work. So that's where we kind of walk this line of like, yeah, we are, we have worked very hard and we're enjoying the fruits of our labor. Also, we're very, very fortunate and don't know how to speak to that specific issue. So I won't. (laughs) No, that's so good. I hate when people talk about things they haven't gone through. I I just, I hate it. That's again, that's like the whole premise and thesis of that book is like, how dare you? How dare you be so audacious to speak through a struggle you have not gone through, you know, unless you are highly qualified and have counseled thousands and thousands of couples to speak into this specific issue. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is at, uh, at best, um, kind of haughty to do, you know, and at worst it's very damaging to somebody's relationship. I don't, I don't like being in the advice business. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think the difference of proactive and reactive is, is interesting. Cause you, you know, I think some of the things you say in the book or even what you just said of like, yeah, I've never walked through that, but I think there's proactive things that, you guys have done too. That's just evident from afar of just the shared, Mm -hmm. the idea of shared wins and, you know, the, the roles that you guys have just kind of fallen into embracing each other's differences and, and changing together. You know, I think that's another kind of thing that, that, that really stood out to me too, is life changes 
people change, things change. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, right before the pandemic, my wife and I moved out to the Philadelphia area. And so we were kind of like in North Dakota where COVID didn't exist. And then we moved <laughs> to Philadelphia, which is kind of similar to, to the California sea. And when it comes to that, and there was a point where my wife was working or she was staying at home with the kids and, you know, that had been her dream job. Like when we were dating and married, she's like, if I could just stay home with the kids, that would be, and we were fortunate enough to have that. And then one day she was kind of like complaining about that. And I was like, well, this is your dream job. And she's like, dreams change. And I think mm -hmm. that it was almost like a kind of a wake up for us of like, that's true. We've changed yeah. like, the things we care most about our priorities changed and we need to change together and pursue whatever is next. But you mm -hmm. took a pretty hard pivot in some ways from youth ministry, you know, into the comedy scene, but the way you described youth ministry, uh, it hit my funny bone. And so I just have to read a quote from the book you, you wrote, uh, it was for sure invented by parents who looked at their middle school boy who smelled like a dumpster behind the Applebee's. And when they looked at their awkward baby with the mustache, they said, this is God's problem and outsourced him to the church. Uh, what a great line and a great description of youth ministry that I need to share with my friends. <laughs> Good. Hey, I'm here to serve. You know, that uh, it really is like, and I know that as a parent of teenagers where you're like, I'm just looking for any help anywhere. You know, yes. the, this kid that I had that was cute and loved me unconditionally now just hates the sight of me. <laughs> Like, I don't even do anything. And then also we'll be that little kid sometimes. And then also we'll be like a gentle adult. And then, yeah, it's, uh, it's porcupines, right? Like they won't hug you anymore. It's, it's, it's wild. And you're just looking for any support system you can get. That's why you're like, yeah, no, I'll, whatever they believe, I don't care. Just I'll send them to any religions youth. Group. I don't care. Just someone help me. Someone pray to a, a deity for some support. Help me out, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Was that a was that transition? I know it was a long time, and and you get into that in both your comedy, your book, and all that. But uh, was that kind of something that was like an easy transition to say yes? Hey, let's go all in on this. Or was that like one of the more nerve wracking things you've done? No, I mean it was. I never like the. I had a buffer. There was no. I I actually left youth ministry before I started comedy. I had a day job like working at the rec center that I did for five years and I had started, that's when I started doing comedy. And so it was, um, it was not, it was kind of a clean, the, the first career change was leaving ministry, which at that point I was just so burnt out that I was like, I don't, I don't miss this even a little bit. Right. <laughs> like, the answer to the question about the career change in comedy in particular, I mean, it was, I mean, it was five years of absolute sludge and hard work and no sleep. Like it was, I mean, I, you talk about it in the book, I mean, for the better part of five years, I would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, or sorry, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I, I worked Sunday through Thursday, I would open the rec center early, so I could leave around 11 noon, get on a plane or drive to my gig that weekend, go be at that gig all weekend, fly home, usually on the last night sleep at the airport, so I didn't have to pay for a hotel, get home, shower, go to work at noon, like, that was it for about five years. So it was, 
yeah, very, very uh, hard. <laughs> it was about as hard as an airport as an airport floor is what it was. Uh, but it wasn't. I mean, obviously, zero regrets. And if you do it any other way, it, it's you're gonna be a better product for it. And when you have other people supporting, you're supporting. You cannot sell out on something that might negatively affect them. The selfishness right. of that decision. You're already making a selfish move by doing something that kind of takes you away from them. So then if you put them at risk as well for not having their needs met financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, it's why it's why we live in San Diego and not LA. It would be wildly beneficial for me to live in LA, but my kids know San Diego and that's where they live. And I leave on the weekends anyways. So we're not going to be like, Hey, dad leaves on the weekends and we're living in the city that only he wants to live in. So there's a million little compromises like you make like that. But when people are like impressed by that, I'm like, how is that even a choice? Of course you can't sell out your family for the good of your stupid little stand-up dream. <laughs> you know? Right. I, well, you know, but in reality, probably sadly you can, you know, and so. Yeah, I mean, people do. And I just, listen, I, I know my career was different and that I, I had a family before stand-up and I will have a family after stand-up, you know, like that's, that they predate that. And if you can get a job that you were creatively fulfilled in, fantastic. It's great. I think it's important, you know, um, but it can't come at the cost of other people because it's just selfish, you know? Right. For sure. Well, your, uh, your new YouTube special, um, runs in the family, uh, recently came out and it is hilarious. And I think everybody, oh, thank you. Everybody should watch it. And there's, there's one that, that kind of cracked my funny bone, uh, extra hard was, was you, your daughter talking about therapy and asking if you've, uh, been in therapy <laughs> or if you were in therapy when you were a kid and, you know, the harshness of, you know, I couldn't even tell my dad I was thirsty. I, I, I think that is so funny. And and I, I have kind of like the relatable growing up, like the rub some dirt in it could have been like the, you know, the lo live, laugh, love banner across yeah. our home. <laughs> uh, That's funny. And, you know, I mean, like I remember, so I played baseball and I broke my leg in a game, my sophomore year of high school. And so I'm laying yeah. on the field. My, my foot is cattywankus and the thought that's running through my head is I hope my parents don't find the secular music that I left on in my car. <laughs> like the, 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 the strictness of, of my oh, home. And I think that was just a generation. Like it wasn't just my dad, you know, it was like Christian no. dads. Like and their I, dads were even stricter, <laughs> you know, we just get less and less strict, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I played rec basketball and we had a team called the victorious secrets. And I designed the shirt. It was like a pink, you know, seductive yeah. woman. And I hid it for years. And my mom just recently found it in my childhood drawer in, in our house. And I still felt like the, oh, no, I got caught. I, I, Hilarious. I, I've been caught. That's so funny. <laughs> so no Not drugs. They didn't find drugs or a weapon <laughs> no. or anything. They found a, uh, a, vict a, a dad joke. <laughs> yes. And they, they also found, um, you know, when we were seniors, you had like the underground senior t-shirts and sure. 
little inappropriate. And my, my high school mascot was the demons, which is terrible for a Christian family. I had to hide, <laughs> I had to hide my own, like, you know, school paraphernalia from, from my family. Um, yeah. So they, <laughs> those are the types of things that my parents are finding of mine now that I'm like dreading, like, Hilarious. is there more, is there more? Um, but no, is as a, as a dad myself, I've got three young kids and, and yours are a lot older down the road. You can speak to this, you know, just briefly as we kind of close out, like what's something that that's really stood out to you in this particular season, um, about maybe those early years of like, man, if I could do it again, or it, I'm so glad we did this. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we are like, we're kind of like closing the door isn't shut, but the door is definitely closing on the early years. Right. Like, so my daughter, for example, she's, she's finishing third grade and we, where we, we have a school that we go to for like, it's kind of like a hybrid middle school where it's fourth through eighth, And we go to the little elementary school across the street. And this last week I was like, because I was leaving for the road, I was like, oh, this is the last time I'm walking any kid to school. Wow, this is yeah. my last time walking a child to school because we'll drive her next year. Actually, her brother will drive her next year, which is crazy in its own right. And so uh, it does, what's the old phrase? The, the days are long, but the years are short. You know, I do think that um, what I'm glad, I, what I'm most grateful for is that we are a family with an emphasis on fun like we play together we're silly together we wrestle together we play on the trampoline together we because I just I don't know I to me you don't need any help making life serious it will be serious on its own it will do I think there is no value or integrity to seriousness I think Chesterton has an old quote like that actually that there's nothing there's nothing moral about it. There's nothing more important about being serious. Um, uh, we are a family uh, that just has an emphasis on on levity and and fun and like I said, play and laughter and and music. And now there's also plenty of anger and fighting and drama and you know mistakes made by all parties and tears and all of the above. But I I know. And, and it's I, I'm thinking about that now because the type of fun is changing like we're doing different things together now like as they as they get older and you're like oh you're like 16 we actually have similar interests you know so right. I don't know as much as you can I mean we're just we're so grateful to be an emphasis a family that had an emphasis on fun has an emphasis on fun yeah I love that you can't build that now like <laughs> it would be hard if yeah. you started now you know I love yeah. that um, one of the questions I ask every guest on the podcast is if you could go back and have a conversation with the 22 year old version of you, uh, what advice would you give him? <laughs> yeah, start stand up sooner. That's the main one. Uh, don't wait till you're 27. You've been thinking about this forever. Start going to open mics now. This is going to save you a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, the practical, the better, you know, yeah. One time I asked somebody and they just said, invest in Bitcoin at that time. It, it, maybe it's right, not, right, not right. as sound advice now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they get out at the perfect time. But yeah, no, hey, thanks for, you know, taking some time. I know you're on the road and uh, 
got all sorts of things going on, but where can we find you? Where can we keep up? Um, you know, and what's going on in your world right now? Hey, I have the new special out on YouTube where you mentioned the book, you know, if you just go to my website, DustinNickerson.com, that's going to have all my tour dates as well. I'm going to be on this tour, the halfway there tour for the next year or so. So check it out. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to, to link all that. I know you're in Minneapolis on August 25th. Correct. Yeah. Because I had tickets and uh, I am doing a wedding as a pastor. A wedding officiating a wedding so i know i refunded your tickets very graciously of me by the way i did not have to do that <laughs> thank you i didn't know that you would be the physical person refunding my tickets. yeah so. that was me there i got that email that's amazing awesome well hey thanks a ton uh grateful to have you on absolutely thanks for having me